Jessica and I are here at the American Humanist Association Conference, and we are here with David Diskin, and he is with Camp Quest. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with Camp Quest? Yeah, I'm the president of Camp Quest West in California, and Camp Quest is a network of summer camps uh, designed for secular families all throughout the United States. We've got about uh, 14 different locations. Uh, the closest one here in Chicago is just over on the other side of the lake in Michigan. Um, but uh, we spend a week with kids talking about science and the great outdoors, about humanism, about uh, empathy and leadership skills, about uh, socioeconomic issues, about positive sexuality for the older kids, all kinds of stuff. It is a blast. So what was the impetus to, to start this? Was it because there's a lot of religious camps, summer camps all over the place, and you wanted to have something that's secular? or Exactly, yeah. That? This started 20 years ago, and we wanted something for ourselves. Uh, we wanted a place that we could send kids that they knew that they wouldn't get proselytized to, mm-hmm. that they knew that they would get you know, quality science education, uh, in some cases better than what we see at public schools. We wanted to make sure that they knew that they could go somewhere without being bullied for who they are, and not just for religious reasons, but for their uh, economic background or how they dress or their sexuality, their identity, anything along those lines. We're a very welcoming, open camp. One of the criticisms that I hear from the media, anyway, when they talk about Camp Quest is, this is an atheist camp. Yeah, like Uh, we're the opposite of Jesus camp. Yeah, like you're indoctrinating little kids into atheism. So how do you make sure that doesn't happen? What we say is we teach kids how to think, not what to think, right? And so that's the difference. When you go to one of these religious camps, uh, often you're being told, this is how it is, and you're going to hell, you're going to burn, and this is how abortion goes, and this is how this goes, and gays, and whatever else. We don't, yeah, <laughs> we, we don't do that. Um, you know, we're, we're teaching kids about science. We're teaching kids about the, you know, the scientific method, critical thinking, mm-hmm. how to form their own worldviews. Uh, we're not teaching them this is how it is. Uh, and on top of that, you know, we want kids to feel welcome. We want kids to have a great time no matter who they are. And so we don't even talk about atheism. We don't, we're not saying, okay, today we're going to have a lesson on why there's no God. You know, we don't do that. We don't talk about how you're going to debate Ken Ham or something like that. <laughs> we, uh, That's you know. just good life advice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, what we do is, is we give kids the mental tools to learn about the world around them. And if they apply that to religion or climate change or to anything that's happening around them in school, that's awesome. Um, and is it primarily uh, secular families, or do you have any uh, kids coming in from like more religious backgrounds who just their parents want them to be free thinkers or si- pro science or whatever? It's going to be like ninety-five yeah. percent secular <laughs> families, and and that's primarily just a function of who, to whom we market. Sure, you know we show up at conferences like this, but I will say that we do occasionally have children that are religious, um, and there's usually two reasons for that. One is because like their best friend is going, and they want to be with their BFF for the summer and their best friend happens to be a non-religious person. The other one, though, a little bit more interesting, is sometimes they come from what you might call like a mixed family, <laughs> where you know mom is an atheist or secular and dad is religious. Mm-hmm. And in, sometimes these kids come to our camp for a week, and then they turn right around, repack, and go to Jesus camp for a week. I want to know what questions they ask at the Bible camp after they've been to Camp Quest. Yeah. That's got to be a fun I would love to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
what is, what's the age range? Tell me about... Uh, 8 to 17. 8 to 17. So how do you treat... You know, what do you say to an 8-year-old who is exploring humanism or atheism or et cetera for the first time? Yeah, well, like I said, we don't really talk about it, but if they ask questions, uh-huh. we're happy to kind of share our own worldviews. And that's, you know, one of the funny things. There is no dogma about atheism or humanism. Mm-hmm. We might say something like, you know, for me personally, and that would be like the opening statement. Sure. For me personally, you know, humanism is learning about other people and respecting the planet it and doing what we can because we believe that there's one life and this is our one shot to mm-hmm. make things better for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, other people might approach that in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they ask us, you know, is there a God? I think our answer would probably be, and I hope it would be from all the counselors, you need to find that out for yourselves. Mm-hmm. How long have you personally been involved with Camp Quest? I found out about it in 2009, signed up to be a counselor the next summer. So it's since 2010 and I have loved every single year. So if the organization has been around for like 20 years, what have you seen anyway in the past six years or so? What's changed? I think that when I first got there, uh, our curriculum was very much science-based. We did a couple humanism things a little bit now and then. But since, just in the last couple of years, I've seen us become more about the world around us. You know, just last year, I'll give you two examples, in addition to all the science stuff, mm-hmm. we had a really cool activity um, talking about other people that have, uh, that are differently abled. And so we had kids simulated, uh, simulate that they w- had like a, a broken arm or not use of their leg or poor or, or no vision or hearing, and we made them do different kinds of activities. And it was it was really touching for two reasons. One is just to see them struggle through this and learn, even if it was only for half an hour, what it's like to be a differently abled person. But two, after they were given the opportunity to share, and we learned that some kids and some of our adults, you know, have family members that are differently abled, and they were able to empathize, empathize, empathize with that and talk about what that was like. Yeah. And the kids really picked up on that. And another activity we did was about socioeconomic injustice, where we rigged a game of Monopoly, and we had them play Monopoly against each other, and one team started off with significantly more money, mm-hmm. two dice instead of one, <laughs> they got the car, the other team got the boot, and, <laughs> and they played a game of Monopoly, and right off the bat, they discovered that they had an imbalance of, of starting funds, and the kids wanted to set it right before they even started. And, once, and we said, no, you can't do that. And then once they ran around the entire track, then we counted up how much money they had left over. Of course, every single time the, right, you start off with more, you end up with way more. And the kids felt bad about it. They said they didn't like it because it was rigged. They wanted to you know, balance it out. And they really got the message that you know, just because you started off with 500 doesn't mean you're going to end up with 500 more. You ended up with 1000 2000 $3,000 more. You had two dice instead of one. You had more mobility. You could go around and get to boardwalk faster, <laughs> that kind of thing. And they really understood that message. And that really has nothing to do with science, sure. you know, but it does really play into our humanist values. How many of these kids come back year after year? Discounting the ones that age out when they turn 17, uh, I think it's somewhere around 70 to 80%. And, and what we find if we dig deeper when we can is that you know, they have to go on a family vacation or summer school, something along those lines, or they didn't behave well. <laughs> uh, not at camp, but you know, during the year. And you know, sometimes this is like so a they reward. they don't get their reward, yeah. Exactly right, yeah. But uh, time and time again, they come back. 
And, and what we really love is when they come back as counselors after they turn 18. In fact, in California, we just trained uh, three people uh, that were counselors last year. It was so awesome to see that. What do they learn going from being a camper to being a counselor? What's the big change for them? I think that they get a greater respect from both sides of the spectrum because now they've been, and we've got some that have been campers for years and years and years. Uh, we have a board member at National who was a camper at the very first camp 20 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then she became a, a, a director, what we call an LT, and then she became a counselor, and then a director, and then a board member, a National board member. I think what they learn is they see it from every single angle, and then they come back as a really strong counselor because they have that empathy with the kids uh, that sometimes some of us don't necessarily have. They know more about what it's like, uh, and I welcome them to come on and serve as a as a you know building the curriculum or being a board member to give us even more of that insight. If somebody wanted to uh, come on as a counselor, uh, what would that process be like? They apply online. Uh, they can go to campquest.org, find the location that's nearest to them, and fill out a form. We basically, we call them back, we interview you. If you pass that, we start doing background checks, live scan, you need first aid training that we pay for, and then there's some online training, there's some in-person training. There's about, depending on if you're brand new or, or returning, anywhere from like eight to 30 hours of training. Yeah, <laughs> we take it pretty seriously. When you're dealing with kids, you yeah. need it. Yeah, it's behavioral training, it's safety training, it's training about just what Camp Quest is, safety procedures, it's just understanding how to read the schedule, you know, learning what you do and what you don't do and you know, all that kind of stuff. So we do take training really seriously and that's the bulk of the application process. Uh, so what kind of activities are there aside from the science stuff? Are there, do you have like traditional camp things like canoeing and horseback riding? Absolutely, yeah. In fact, the science stuff and all of that other things I was talking about, that's only about two hours a day. Oh. The rest of the time we're playing team games, archery, swimming, hiking, astronomy, campfires and s'mores and skits and sing-alongs and the camp dance and all of that kind of stuff, just like you would at any other camp. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me more about this camp dance. Oh, well, <laughs> in California, it's the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> it's the uh, pirates and carnival and everything else. And so for the kids like me who are a little bit shy about dancing, there's like a whole carnival thing going on that our older kids have created. They come up with carnival games, and they build them, and they come up with prizes. And for everyone else, they go inside the lodge. We got music blasting, and they dance, and it's adorable. But we have a rule in California, they aren't supposed to dress up anything fancy. We don't want it to be like prom. Um, you're not bringing a date or anything like that. And to make it fun, we've themed it uh, over pirates. And so uh, they can come dressed as anything they want. But, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. And the pirates tie into the flying spaghetti monster and all that. How many kids are coming to the various camps? Uh, nationwide, I think this summer we're looking at enrolling around 12 or 1,200 or 1,150. Uh, in California, we've got one camp that's running at 125 and another two sessions that are running at 65. And how many counselors are there apiece here? The ratio is about one uh, adult to every two and a half or three kids. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of counselors. It is. And, you know, talking about secular issues, that's something that sets us apart from some of the religious camps in many states. 
there is no requirement for adult to kid supervision. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've ta- you've covered stories where, like in daycare, for example, you know about the one that happened. What was it like a couple weeks ago? Oh, in uh, the daycare that have no licenses exactly. and they get away with breaking the rules. Uh, exactly. Alabama, maybe. I think it that was. Right. Yeah, and just horrible, tragic stories about kids getting hurt or lost or who knows what. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of laws don't apply to religious institutions, including day camps and, and stay away camps. Whereas we do have laws that, I think it's something like six to one is our required ratio, but that's that's still not good enough. So we, we aim for a three to one ratio, and I think this year we're shooting at about 2.8. That's nuts, because I went to a sports camp when I was little, so I was a jack, and it was kind of, it was weird. I was at Loris in uh, Iowa, so it's not, it wasn't a Christian camp, but we definitely had to like pray before we could eat and all oh. that fun stuff. Uh, I bring that up to, oh, um, it was 12, like it was 12 people in a squad or whatever we called it. and One adult. One adult. We oh stayed in gosh. dorms and made great decisions and <laughs> all of that. I'm sure stuff. there was great supervision. I mean, anyone who's worked with kids and stuff, that they're, one of them is hard to handle. So yeah, a, a ratio of two to three, okay, fine, you could do it as a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when you get to six or 12, that's kind of insane. Especially some of these are like eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they've got so much energy, which is great. And the other thing is, you know, we want to make sure that they all have fun. We want to make sure that they all feel included, you know, and that gives us enough adults to scan the room and you know if there's a kid that's kind of off in the corner playing with dirts and sticks dirt and sticks then you know we can go over and talk to that kid individually and bring them back into the group without losing the supervision of the rest of the group let me ask you a couple of logistical questions what's the typical cost for a camp again it depends on the location in california it's 658 dollars for the whole week that covers all the food, the lodging, all the uh, arts and crafts and bows and arrows and all the supplies that we need to run the science ac- activities. And if parents are unable to afford that, are there ways around that? Absolutely. I think every single affiliate has some kind of financial aid program, uh, which is really special because that's where the free thought community comes in. Uh, folks uh, who are able, they can donate to Camp Quest at the national or at their local level. And in California, and I think in everywhere, every dollar that we get goes into supporting that campership program. And so a family that can't afford, like I've got uh, a number of, I think about 40 or 50 families, or 40 or 50 campers in California out of the 250 that we're expecting, that's about a fifth, uh, have applied for financial aid. Some of them are getting $150 off, others are getting somewhere like 80, 85% off, uh, and every dollar is coming out of the graciousness of other people. So what are your your goals and Camp Quest National? What are the big goals for the years to come? Our biggest goal is by 2020 to have 2,000 campers registered for that summer. Um, right now, I think we're about, about 1,200 is what we're expecting for this summer. Uh, and we've seen a 20% growth consistently every single year. Uh, and I think that's gonna happen. I think it's gonna get us. The other goal is to expand our number of locations. Uh, we want to be a six-hour drive from every major city in the United States. Um, and so we've got a little bit of expanding to do. Uh, but that being said, I think locally our goals are to just keep doing what we're doing, to build upon our science curriculum every single time. We now have 10 years in California of really great activities. And so now at 10 years we can go back to year one and start doing the peer review and improvement and upgrade process mm-hmm. and, and build along this kind of rolling year-by-year set of activities. 
and, uh, and, and, and just, just making those so much more stronger and also introducing new ones that aren't just about science. So what do you, I'm going back to the, um, the volunteer kind of adult supervising thing. <clears throat> what are you looking for in volunteer? Like say hypothetically you're a 30 year old uh, podcast host with no discernible skills <laughs> in can't science. Can I help? You can. Okay. I mean, we take volunteers of all different kinds. Uh, if you don't even want to go to camp with us and spend a week with all kinds of kids, um, you can spread the word, right? You can, well, what you guys are doing right now. You can just talk about us and, and Nailing it. share and retweet and everything else and follow, uh, sign up for the newsletter. There's stuff you can do at home. You know, we have parents that are helping us with grants. We have or, uh, families and, and, and adults. We have parents and, and friends that are helping us write curriculum, uh, something that a teacher might help us with. <clears throat> we have... Um, Folks that are just stuffing letters and mailing things out, calling donors to thank them, uh, and then and then of course there's spending a week with us at camp, right? And and for the most part that tends to be teachers who have the summer off, mm -hmm. and college students who have the summer off, especially if they're studying education, pedagogy, any of the sciences, and uh, but that's not everybody. I mean we've got the parents who just love it and they want to be there. Uh, we've got retirees. You know, folks that are 50, 60, 70 years old uh, who have, in some cases, more energy than I do. <laughs> and it's so inspiring to see that. And they spend a week with us because they love the outdoors, they love kids, they love science, and they want kids to appreciate it as much as they do. And if people want to make a donation to Camp Quest, what should they do? They can do two things. They can go to their local camp affiliate or to national, either way. They can go to just campquest.org and make a donation right there. Or if they want to ensure that it goes to their local affiliate, they can just drill down to their appropriate local camp and, and do it that way. But I tell you, if they support the national organization, uh, that helps us grow overall. It's one of those rising tide raises all ships kinds of things. And that might even help us start a new location somewhere uh, where there isn't a camp already. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, David, for uh, joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. <laughs>